I'm taking her to rest. No. Come on, Nana. No! Tell us, Rose. It's been 84 years. It's okay. Just try to remember anything. Anything at all. Do you want to hear this or not, Mr. Lovett? It's been 84 years. Yes, it has been 84 years since we had a normal offseason with no drama and nothing bad happening. Unfortunately, that's not going to be this year. Um, big news today. Not great news. We're going to be scrambling. Hopefully, by the time you're hearing this, it is all taken care of and we are good to go. Or maybe by the time you're hearing of this, we don't even have a league anymore. Who knows? But stick around and we will find out. Okay, so here we are two days before the season starts, and, uh, well, the unthinkable has happened. Andrew texted me this morning on the way home from work. I was going to come home with the idea of sitting down and doing this podcast for you guys, and uh, Andrew hits me with the text message, hey, I don't think I can do this. The league is a lot more intense than what I was thinking. Guys don't seem to be very happy with me because of the trades I made. We'll get to that later. And, um, you know, I just don't think I can do it. Sorry. I know that sucks. This close to the season. 48 hours out-ish. Maybe 50. Uh, yeah, that sucks. I told my wife, that's pretty much outside of just blatant cheating. That's, that's pretty much the worst thing you can do as a fantasy football player. Is quit. 48 hours out. Two days before the season starts. Because here's the thing. And I've already had a couple discussions with a couple different people. I'm still waiting for Brett to call. He should be calling here in a little bit. And um, I don't know what to do. We have, there's a couple options that we might have. I talked to Jeff this morning. He knows someone that we work with that might be willing to play. I knew a guy that uh, a couple years ago we had in the league that quit because he did some bad trades. He's expressed interest in playing again. I don't know. It's it's really, the biggest thing is going to be, we obviously can't make someone pay to take over that team. One thing I had thought of, and I'm going to talk to Brett about this in a little bit, is like, honestly, I, I was looking over the team and I, I almost want the challenge. You know, I, I kind of wouldn't mind having the challenge of rebuilding that, that roster. So that could be an option. I could take it over. I've already paid my 75. And then I don't know how we would figure out who took over my team because I wouldn't want to give that to a brand new player because that's just a guaranteed at least get your money back sort of situation. All right, we'll, we'll figure all that stuff out. Like I said, hopefully by the time this comes out and everybody's listening to it, it's already figured out, it's already done, and we're just on our merry way, you know, for Thursday night. However, if not, and uh, the league ends, it's been a good run, boys. We almost made it 11 years. It hasn't always been great, but I've always had a good time, and uh, I've maintained relationships with people that uh, I, I really respect. 
You know, so like it was what it was, right? All right, so on to some more current events, and we're going to break down our rosters and everything else. So Colin's in basic training right now. He's going to miss probably first month of the season, maybe. I'm going to be running his team. I did ask him, hey, do you want somebody else to run your team? And he actually said, no, Dad, I'm, you're the only one I trust. And I was like, thanks, buddy. So I'm going to get all his backups in week one and uh, get myself a good old win to start off the season. No, I'm just kidding. But yeah, his running back situation is pretty bad right now, which we'll get into later. But yeah, he's in basic training. Everybody hates basic training. He hates it. Would love to be home. Would love to be back here. So, you know, it is what it is. He's, he's a strong kid. I think he'll be fine. I have been a little edgy lately because, you know, I do miss him and it, it sucks I can't talk to him. But I'm getting better. I'm getting, getting over that, uh, that initial suckiness of him being gone. And it's probably why I've been like holding off on doing the podcast. But, uh, you know, you can't hold off on that stuff forever so uh let's jump right into it let me pull up my notes here that i made my show notes i'm gonna go through each team i'm gonna give you the best part of each team i'm gonna give you a reason to worry about each team i'm going to give you like a little unique thing for that team that i think is cool and then i'll give a draft grade for each team and then after i go through all the teams then i'll do uh my playoff predictions oh actually before i do before I do the playoff predictions, I will talk about some trades that happened over the summer and uh, give some, you know, just my thoughts, basically. So how I did, I'm just going to go uh, American Division, Carolina Division, back and forth based on how it's set up on the league. So if you want to follow along, just jump back and forth. The first thing we're going to talk about is Point Break, which is ran currently by me. But yeah, this is Colin's team. His best attribute right now is uh, his Burrow and Chase combo. That was a big thing for him. It was a great trade, I thought, for, for both for both people involved because Alave, he loved Alave, and I think Alave is going to have a great season. But, uh, you know, he made that, and it gave up a first-round pick. I think Chase is worth it, and he has a great combo there that he can build off of for the next however long Burrow and Chase last. But, yeah, that, it's a solid, solid combo and, and really strong. You know, Chase, outside of Justin Jefferson, is the best receiver in the league. So, And Burrow, honestly, outside of Mahomes, is probably the best two, 2A, 2B quarterback in the league. Now, his reasons to worry is, is one that I'm currently dealing with, is uh, Debo ain't a running back. If you look beside his name, if you're following along here, it says WR beside his name. That means he's a wide receiver, and he can only be played as a wide receiver. Problem is, is uh, Collins' running backs are not great. Not deep, I'll say that, because Derrick Henry and Alvin Kamara are really good running backs, but... Uh, Outside of that, there's really not anything else out there. Alvin Kamara's suspended for the first three weeks of the season, so he'll be relying on a rookie running back in that spot unless I can make a uh, a miracle trade or something. But yeah, so it's not great. And like I said, Debo is not a running back. And it, to be fair, he's not really a wide receiver all that much. He's kind of an in-between guy. And now that they had Christian McCaffrey to be an in-between guy, like I don't know where Debo fits in. I actually think Ayuk is going to have a little bit better season. And uh, he gave up a lot of assets to to acquire Debo Samuel. So, I don't know. We'll see what that goes. But I think that's a big reason to worry. He doesn't have running back depth. And I think getting Debo at the price he gave up is going to hurt him this season. Because I, I think Debo is going to have a, a not great. Uh, so, for his, like, special section, and you'll this will make more sense as we go on. I call it making the, li- making the jump. Making the leap sounds cooler. Making the leap is uh, DJ Moore. I think... 
DJ Moore is going to have a fantastic season up in Chicago. I think uh, he has top 10 wide receiver upside. You know, I could see him being wide receiver seven, eight, something like that. That'd be fantastic for him to have Chase and, uh, you know, DJ Moore holding it down there. And I, I, like I said, I just think he's going to be amazing. I think he's going to get a lot of big plays, a lot of touchdowns. So uh, I think that's a huge, huge thing for him. He's kind of been waiting around on DJ Moore to do something and uh, be with a decent quarterback. You know, the jury's still out on fields, but they're going to make a lot of plays at least. So for Collins' draft grade, I gave him a B. Uh, he had no first-round picks, which sucks. If you don't have a first-round pick, especially in the Dynasty League, it, you know, it sucks because you're, you're constantly trying to get those guys on your roster so that you can have that depth, have that next big player. And so not having that, you know, you're automa- honestly, you're automatically sitting at a C at that point without, without having, bringing in players like that. However, his second-round and third-round wide receiver picks were Mingo, Jonathan Mingo, and Jalen Hyatt. Jalen Hyatt looks like the real deal. He's just an over-the-top speedster guy. I know on Hard Knocks they had uh, him and Sauce Gardner going up against each other, and, you know, he was he was putting it to Sauce, honestly. Like, there was some camp video of him just burning the crap out of Sauce. I think in the Camp Confidential, he burned the crap out of Sauce on a play. Or not Camp, but the Hard Knocks. I think he burned Sauce. I think Hyatt has huge upside. I would love to trade for him. Um, I think the Giants' offense in general is uh, is going to be really good and really scary. Jonathan Mingo has been fantastic for the Panthers so far. He is a physical run blocker, and when he gets the balls in, ball, <laughs> balls, when he gets the ball in his hands, he is amazing. Like he, it's explosive, just big physical presence, and uh, he's slated to start. For the Panthers. So I, I think he is going to have a solid rookie season. And those are two great wide receivers that he got relatively late, middle of the second round, and uh, I think the beginning of the third round. So that bumps his grade up from a C to a B. I'm going to say his name wrong. So Chris, just plug your ears or mute it for right now for the next couple of seconds. But Devin Archain, uh, I'm not sure about him. He, a lot of people are comparing him to like Chris Johnson and people like that. But I, I don't know. We'll see how they deploy him in week one. I, I just don't think he's going to have a big role right at the beginning. Um, and they seem like they were after every free agent running back that was available, every trade that was available were kind of tied to the Dolphins. So I don't know how much they love their running back room. I know um, they just put somebody on IR, Jeff Wilson. So it's pretty much just Mostert and uh, Archain. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he could be good. I don't, I don't know. That's still kind of a iffy, iffy prospect there. But overall, I think B is fantastic because, again, he didn't have a first-round grade and uh, or for, didn't have a first-round pick, and he was able to grab two solid wide receivers that I think are going to be pretty good. This is actually a pretty deep draft when you go back and look at it. All right, so we're going to go over to the Carolina side, and uh, the first team up is top one. Uh, his best attribute is if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Basically, top's not a team that alters his uh, his roster very much every year. He doesn't make a lot of trades. He just drafts. And as you'll see in a minute, he just he sits around and just waits for talent to fall to him, and he takes them. He's very good at that. He's very good at seeing us jump on the flavor of the week, and he just sits there and waits and waits and waits, and it comes right to him. So, yeah, it, his, his roster is very similar to what it was last year. 
and uh, not a lot of changes. We'll talk about some here in a second. Yeah, like he was in the championship game last year, kept it together, added some pieces here and there. His roster didn't get worse. If anything, it's going to get a little bit better. Probably get him in the playoffs again this year. So yeah, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Uh, the reason to worry, he has kind of a QB carousel going on. He's got a lot of good QBs. That is, I mean, we're talking about coin flipping Mark. So I can only imagine the anxiety this dude's going to have every week trying to figure out who to start, who not to start, and, uh, and that sort of thing. So let's just go over some of his, his quarterbacks real quick. All right, so he's got Justin Herbert, who is just a fantastic quarterback. I mean, it's about as good as it gets, top five. Well done, Mark. Had him for years. I think you drafted him. Then he's got Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> then he's got Mac Jones. Yeah. Sam Howe. I, I, I'll be honest with you. Sam Howe looked amazing in the preseason. Um, he's a young quarterback. He's got talent around him. That could be good. And then he's got Brock Purdy, who is, again, a young, talented quarterback with a lot of guys around him that can help him out. Problem is, is who are you going to start between Garoppolo, Mac Jones, Sam Howe, and Brock Purdy every year or every week? And I know Mark pretty well, and that is going to give him problems throughout the year. He's going to start the wrong one, and then he's going to be like, I hate this fucking guy. And then he's going to bring in another guy. And he's going to be the wrong one. He's like, I hate this guy. And he'll be down to Sam Howe and picking up a quarterback off waivers or something, starting them because he'll be so mad at everybody. So, yeah, I, that, that is something that he's going to have to figure out. And honestly, like, there are teams out there that need quarterbacks. I would say to anybody else, trade one of those guys and get some, get some assets. But we're talking about Mark here, and he doesn't make a ton of trades. So he's just going to ride that merry-go-round all year. So his, uh, his uh, special little section here is, I call it Flowers for Mark. I'm, I'm weird. But Zay Flowers looks like he's going to be the steal of the draft. I'm going to talk about that in a second. Everything out of Baltimore is that he is the second coming of, like, Jerry Rice. I, I mean, obviously, all that stuff remains to be seen, but it looks very good. You know, getting a player like that as late as he did, like I talked about, he just waited around. He watched people take quarterbacks and people take wide receivers and people take tight ends, and he just took the best available guy with maybe the most upside. And he, he, so he grabbed say flowers and you know, you can't, you can't fault that, but it just works. And uh, so, yeah, it, it, he could end up being the steal of the draft. We'll see. Reigns to be seen uh, for his draft grade. I gave him a B plus again. Flowers is amazing. His second round pick Luke Musgrave green Bay took two tight ends. Musgrave seems to be the one that's going to start. So you know, you grabbed a starting tight end in the second round, uh, late in the second round. Then he didn't have a couple picks, and then he took another tight end for Jacksonville. Not a, not a lot there, but the B-plus is just the fact that I think Zay Flowers could be the steal of the entire draft. I think without Zay Flowers, he takes anybody else. It's probably like a B-minus or C type of draft. But Flowers could end up being a steal. Somebody we look back at in a couple of years and go, how the heck did he fall all the way to Mark? So, well done, Mark. Way to get, uh, get some talent. Okay, the next team is the Arizona Bird Gang. There is going to be a running theme in this podcast, and it is absolutely going to be that I love Brett's team. I am going to pick him pretty high to finish the season, and um, I just think his team is just mwah, chef's kiss at the wide receiver position. So his best attribute, obviously, is his elite wide receivers. Let me run down this list for you. It's pretty nuts. Cooper Cup, who is hurt, so... Pump the brakes a little bit, but uh, he's having hamstring issues, but still elite wide receiver. Stephon Diggs, elite wide receiver. Jalen Waddle, 
elite wide receiver. Garrett Wilson, elite wide receiver. I know he drafted Wilson and Waddle, made some tra trades to get Cup. In the trade for Cup, I think he gave up Pickens. So that would have been another great wide receiver he would have had. It is just bananas. The wide receivers this, this kid is putting on the field every day. And he has Cortland Sutton on the bench, who is going to be a big part of the, the Denver plans. And he's also got Mims from Denver, who is going to have a huge role because of all the injuries there too. So, and Michael Thomas is just, just the cherry on top. Like if Michael Thomas ends up having a resurgent type of year, he could be brutal playing Brett week in and week out. Because that's the thing with, especially in PPR, you know, if you have those elite wide receivers, dude, you are golden. Just straight up, no problems, no worries. The thing I like about receivers the most is that they're built for a long run in the playoffs. Running backs get hurt, running backs break down, running backs lose touches. So wide receivers are safe and they will take you deep in playoffs. Now, the uh, reason to worry right now is Tua's brain bucket. If, for whatever reason, Tua can't make it the rest of the season, uh, we're going to have to hope for the best on Kyler Murray. That's potentially Clayton Toon could be a starter in, uh, in Arizona. Is that, that could help, but that's, that's really the only thing left that uh, Brett would have, and he would get super thin at, at quarterback. Mark, there you go. There you go, motherfucker. There you go. But yeah, if Tua can't make it through the season, if he has concussion problems again, it could spell disaster for, for Brett's team. I mean, just straight up. Uh, so he's got a player. His special thing is going to be he's going to have some sneaky upside, a guy that I think a lot of people are overlooking, and he's going to have a positive year is uh, Antonio Gibson, running back for the Commanders. Supposedly, you know, he is going to be the pass-catching running back. Robinson's going to be more of a first-down, second-down type guy, but uh, Antonio Gibson's going to be the big play running back. And with Eric Benemy as the offensive coordinator there, you know, you can kind of see Gibson is more of the type of back that he used a lot in Kansas City. So I think Gibson's going to have a big year. He's just a bench player right now. He's just depth for Brett. That's how good his team is, is Antonio Gibson is depth. He's going to be able to lose a couple running backs or some guys not pan out, and he'll still have viable starters he can put in. So, again, fantastic job, Brett. You did, you did well, sir. His draft grade, I gave him a B plus. So Marvin Mims could, again, we talked about him. He could have a huge role this season, but obviously Jameer Gibbs is going to be, you know, the guy that he kind of hangs his hat on. And that's the reason he got a B plus. There are plenty of other players he could have taken, and instead he took he takes Gibbs. And you know, there's a lot of pundits out there that, that think Gibbs could be the offensive rookie of the year. You know, if he gives Brett that type of production, boom. Uh his it probably could have been an A, but uh he's got Hendon Hooker, who's pretty much redshirt this season. Uh he didn't have a second round pick, and he took a couple other wide receivers that uh, you know, remains to be seen what their role is gonna be. Clayton Toon could end up being a savior if he ends up starting some games. But um, yeah, it, Mims and um, Gibbs, pretty much the highlights of his draft. And uh, I think Gibbs is good enough to get him to a B plus. Easy. All right, let's go back to the Carolina division to Nugs. So his best attribute is going to be his QB one-two punch, uh, which includes Fields and Jalen Hurts. When they're on their game and they are making plays and running, and doing all the things they do, dude, it's so hard in a super flex league to deal with a team that like that. It's a team that can put up 
30 at both quarterback positions. He did it last year. I mean, there were times last year where you're just like, he's unbeatable because he's got, he's putting up 190 points and stuff like that because these two quarterbacks were just putting up just ungodly numbers. Uh, if that continues, he's, I mean, you might as well stamp his ticket to the playoffs and to the championship round, to be, to be honest. Reasons to worry? Injuries. That's it. That's it, Kerry. If your team stays healthy, uh, you will be probably in the championship, if not the third place game. Your team is that good. It is. Fields and Hurts, though, the way they run around, you know, there's a chance they get hurt. And if that's the case, that big advantage you have turns out to be like, mm, you can kind of hang with Kerry at that point. Uh, Kelsey is a big factor in that advantage. You know, you go up against two great quarterbacks and then a elite tight end one. It just gives you so much. I mean, look at the week one. I think he's projected to score like 160, 170 points. And most of that is because of Kelsey. You take out Kelsey, you take out one of those two quarterbacks, and it's a, it's a very normal roster. But Kelsey's getting old up there in age, and I was wrong. I'll admit it. I'll be the first one to say, last year I said, Kelsey's getting old. How much longer can he do this? And then he went out and had a tight end one season and was super elite, and I think he outscored the next guy by like 20 or 30 points. It's going to happen at some point. And... um. Could, be the, could this be the year that the age catches up with Kelsey and he starts to kind of break down a little bit? I don't know, but we'll see. All right, so for his draft, I gave Kerry a B-. minus. I, I really, really like his first-round pick and Dalton Kincaid. I think Kincaid is a uh, Travis Kelsey-type player. I think he's going to be able to make big plays. I think he's going to be heavily involved in that pass offense. I've tried to wiggle him away multiple times, and he said no. Uh, Tajay Spears is the number one backup to Derrick Henry, and if Henry gets hurt like he has been the last few years, Tajay Spears could be really, really good. Outside of that, not really a whole lot to speak of. He didn't have a second-round pick. Tajay Spears was a late third. So, yeah, he did the best with what he had, to be honest. I think Kincaid's a slam dunk. Spears should give him you know, a solid, potential solid starting running back late in the season. And uh, the other guys are just fodder. And that's, that's, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but that's Nuggs' game. He values veteran players. He doesn't value young guys who haven't proven anything. So he's going to grab that elite first-round pick, that elite, you know, guy, and then he's going to surround him with vets. And uh, it's worked out so far. He has done really well with that. All right, so back to the American division. We're going to talk about uh, the Grizzly Crackers. Again, I don't know what's going to happen with this open team. Maybe we find somebody to uh, take it over. Maybe I take it over and somebody takes over my team. Again, hopefully by the time you hear this, it's all figured out. But uh, let's just go over the Cracker Squad and, uh, and discuss, because I am the champion, and uh, let's see what I was able to do with my team. The best attribute, I think, is my QB clones. Daniel Jones is pretty much... Josh Allen, light. Uh, he could run. He's got a cannon. Now he actually has somewhat quality targets. Darren Waller, I think, is as long as he stays healthy, is going to have just a monster season. His wide receivers are upgraded. Barkley is Barkley. I mean, he's always a factor. Catches a lot of balls. And as you can see, like, I don't know if you remember or not, but like towards the end of the last season, he had like a 29, 30-point game in the uh, championship, which actually helped me seal it. We didn't have to deal with the whole Cincinnati and Buffalo game that got canceled. So. I think this is a big year for Daniel Jones. I think he's going to elevate his game significantly. 
And I think it's going to maybe not quite as good as carry, but I think it's going to be one of those situations where with Josh Allen and, and Daniel Jones, it's going to just gonna be hard to uh, overcome those guys. So reasons to worry. I just, I, I don't feel my team has enough elite players. McCaffrey, obviously. Uh, CeeDee Lamb, obviously. But then that's kind of it. Everybody else are just kind of like middling, average fantasy football starters. I have a lot of them. My roster is deep, but uh, nobody really jumps out. DeAndre Hopkins is not DeAndre Hopkins from the old days. He's older. He's on a run first team. Like, you know, it's not, he's not elite anymore. Miles Sanders, as much as I think he's going to have a great year, he's not elite. Will he get elite uses? That Who knows? But uh, right now, he's just not elite. Uh, Christian Kirk is going to take a back seat to uh, Ridley down in Jacksonville. So, again, not elite. TJ Hawkinson got paid like he's elite, but I don't think any of us would take him over Kittle, Andrews, or uh, Kelsey. Hell, even, I mean, you could probably name a couple more. Waller. I would take Waller over Hawkinson right now. So, yeah, it just not enough, you know, top-tier players. I have a very, like, hero type of team where I've got McCaffrey, I've got Josh Allen, and I've got CeeDee Lamb. They got to hit their numbers. They got to hit their big numbers. And if they do, great. If they don't, I can put up small scores. You know, one week I may score 170, and the next week I'll score 140. It just all relies on those three players. So my special one is, uh, it's like fine wine. That's what I called it. Madison finally, finally has paid off. He gets his chance to be the RB1 out there in Minnesota. Is he, here's two questions though with that. Like one, I think you'll, I think you'll have a good season. I think he's going to be, have a quality season. He's going to be a factor. He's going to play how long that lasts. Who knows? We've all seen what's happening with running backs. So this may be his like swan song where he has one good year and then he just, he's gone and non-factor after that. We'll see. He's finally going to get the reins and uh, be able to do, do good things. And I think he's going to be solid, a solid, solid starter. Again, not elite, but uh, you know, a solid starter that I think a lot of people would be fine with on their team, but you know, nobody's going to give up two first round picks for him, right? So my draft grade is probably the worst. Is it the worst? Uh, second worst. My draft grade was a D plus. I had no first round picks. I traded out of the first round. Could have taken Jordan Addison there late in the first round, and that probably would have been fantastic. But uh, I traded back, always trying to gain picks, thinking I can, uh, you know, find diamonds in the rough. But uh, my diamonds are pretty rough. I, I will say that. Uh, Levis did not look good in the preseason. It, it, de- you can definitely see why he uh, fell out of the first round. So that doesn't look all that great. Uh, my two running backs have been banged up all, all season, all off season. And while I, you know, I do feel like Charbonnet could be solid. I just, I don't know. It's it's going to be a tough, tough sled in there. And and then Keandre Miller. I mean, I haven't heard a peep out of uh, New Orleans about him. In fact, I was watching a NFC South roundtable, and uh, the New Orleans guy was like, they were like, "What do you think about Keandre Miller?" And he was like, "Um, hmm, I I think it'd be okay." Like. It was just, and it, it, to be fair, it's really hard to gauge running backs in the preseason. I mean, it, you, you know, they aren't tackling people in uh, training camp, and the preseason games are pretty, they get a couple carries here and there. It's hard to get them in a rhythm. Uh, late round picks, very, very much fodder. Schoenmacher, maybe something in Dallas. We'll see. Uh, he has a chance to at least help out. But, uh, yeah, not, not great. 
I don't, nobody that I picked up, I think is going to be a starter, obviously this year, but, but not next year either. So I don't know. We'll see. You can't win them all. All right, let's go down to what is now the open team. Again, you know, hopefully have this figured out before, uh, before Thursday night at eight o'clock. But yeah, we'll talk about his best, his best attributes. And it's pretty much Trevor Lawrence. He is going to have to build around Trevor Lawrence. That's one of his major assets right now. He's got a couple young receivers type thing, but yeah, Trevor Lawrence is who he needs to build around or whoever, I say he, anybody who takes this team over, they, they're going to have to build around this Trevor Lawrence and kind of, you know, he's got a couple other players and then he can kind of, or they can kind of, you know, build, build a team around those players and figure something out, I guess. Reasons to worry pretty much. He's too young and too old at the same time. That's what I put. I was trying, I was reading it. I'm like, what do you, what did you mean by that? I'll explain. He has some talented rookies in Jordan Addison and uh, uh, JSN, but they're, they're just, they're rookies. And then he has all these older players that he traded for that we'll get into later that look like they're on the way out. You know, Keenan Allen, Aaron Jones, Derek Carr, like he's got these older guys. Another really two young guys is Ritter in Atlanta. Like, could he be good? Maybe. He also could be terrible. So yeah, there, there's no middle ground there. Like we were talking about how, you know, Kerry, you know, Kerry likes to build with veteran depth. Like his veteran depth is like grandpa's and he's got these little babies down here that haven't really done anything. So I don't think that's going to, I don't think that's going to be good for the, um, for this season, especially. But what this person, whoever takes over this team could do, and it's their special thing here, is a playoff run trade bait. So. What I would suggest anybody taking over this team uh, would be, you know, right around playoff time, you look around the league, you say, this guy's, this guy's got a chance. You know, it could be a Nugs or a top one or a Goonches. And you'd be like, what does he need? Ooh, he needs a running back. Let's trade him Aaron Jones. He may be more apt to trade because he wants to strengthen his team for a playoff run. And he doesn't need a rookie. He needs a veteran that can come in there and make plays. Keenan Allen. Hey, Mark, you need somebody for Justin Herbert to throw it to. Here's Keenan Allen. Mark's like, yay, I'll give you a first-round pick next year because I suck at drafting anyway. No, he doesn't suck. I said that earlier. But yeah, you know, give me Keenan Allen, sure. Somebody loses a quarterback throughout the season. Somebody gets hurt. Fields. Hey, Nugs, Fields got hurt. How about Carr? He's steady. He'll get you to the playoffs. So, yeah, I think as bad as his team is, I think there are pieces that he can use throughout the season they can use throughout the season to make the team better for next year and uh start gathering assets the draft grade i actually gave uh them a an a minus jason jackson smith najigba looks fantastic he's a beast jordan addison all the reviews have been great josh downs has a chance he's he's playing ahead of uh oh geez what's that guy's name mckenzie that's his name mckenzie so yeah he he could play out and, and be very, very good as well. So I really liked his draft. So yeah, A minus. Nailed the first two draft picks in the first round. You know, grabbed some, some more depth at wide receiver. And like I said, he's got a lot of young, unproven talent. But, you know, there's, there's, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, essentially. Trevor Lawrence, a couple of these young guys. He's got two solid tight ends, even though one of them's super old. Thank you, Chris. Yeah. So it should be, should be solid. I mean, who knows what uh, could happen in, in uh, Philly this year with Swift. Pierce is young. McLaurin's young. You know, he's, there's a chance. It's not as bad as I, you know, it's not as bad as I originally was thinking. Um, all right, 
So let's move on to a team that actually is owned by someone. Oh, that's gotta be that's gotta be the bombers. Sorry. The bombers. They're actually owned by a an actual person. Uh all right. So the bombers, uh, best attribute are there is young uh receivers. So he's got Amon Ross St. Brown, who was just he's got that dog in him, you know? People say that. The kids say that, I think. Calvin Ridley is back from his gambling suspension. And all reports out of Jacksonville look like he is just about to smash. And then George Pickens is uh, on the ascent there in Pittsburgh. I didn't talk about this with uh, Colin's team. Forgive me. But Kenny Pickett looks like the real deal. Like, he looked fantastic during the preseason. Just FYI. Well done, Colin. But yeah, Pickens looks, looks great. And those receivers, they're young. It's definitely something to be excited about for him. So his reason to worry is, you know, Brees Hall's health, essentially. Like, that could be a big issue if Brees Hall can't come back fully. You know, there's a lot of reasons why they may have got Cook. I think a lot of it has to do with Aaron Rodgers. I think he inserted himself into that situation a little too much. But, um, yeah, I think Brees Hall, I don't know if he's 100%. That's a big, that's going to be a big issue. Yeah, so Brees Hall's health is a big reason to worry. I do think James Cook could have a really good season, just FYI there. So he could replace Brees Hall and make, make it actually not that big of a deal. But uh, when, you have, when you have a lot of assets tied up in a player like that, you, you definitely want them to, to be on the field and play well and not get, you know, touchdowns still from them, or, you know, by Dalvin Cook and people like that. So, yeah, Brees Hall's whole role, health, everything could be an issue. So his special thing for the Bombers are those rookies. Damn rookies, bro. Anthony Richardson looks like a stud. Who's that other rookie quarterback you got? Bryce. Bryce, Bryce Young? Does that sound right? Didn't he just play for Alabama? No, man. Bryce Young's going to be awesome. So he's got these two rookie quarterbacks that look like they're just poised to take over the league. And if they work out and if they hit, his team is going to be very dangerous for the foreseeable future. Uh, right now, he's rolling out. Uh, Goff is is a solid quarterback. Like I think anybody would be happy with Goff on their team. Stafford and uh, Russell Wilson, maybe not so much. Uh, they're aging. Like I said, he's got these young quarterbacks. And Anthony Anthony Richardson, especially to me, looks like he's going to be a fantasy stud. I think Bryce Young will be very uh, Matt Ryan esque in terms of fantasy production. I think he's going to be a much better quarterback than Matt Ryan. But I think when all things are said and done, he'll put up numbers similar to that. Like, he's not going to throw for 400 yards and four touchdowns every game. But he'll be solid. Uh, draft grade, I gave him an A-. minus. Anthony Richardson looks like a star. Bryce Young has been as good as advertised at this point. I think Bryce, it's going to be ugly at the beginning of the season. It may be ugly for Anthony Richardson as well, but I think Bryce will put it together. Here's my, here's my prediction. He's going to put it together around week eight. Seven. Week seven. And you'll really start to see him carry that team and that offense. So yeah, he took two two of the top top five players. Does he get an A minus just for that? Well, no. He also nailed some other picks. Okay, Rasheed Rice out in Kansas City looks like he is going to be a starter and has been just dominant in uh, training camp and stuff. Tank Bigsby in Jacksonville looks like he's going to have a very big role. Uh, so yeah, he has got two quarterback starters, obviously. Rasheed Rice looks like he's going to start and or play, you know, a ton for 
the best offense in football. And uh, Tank Bigsby looks like he's going to be at least, at the very least, you know, the goal back, first down back. You know, he's going to eat into ETN's role. Uh, that's funny, huh? Eat into ETN? Uh, he's going to eat into his role at least a little bit. So he'll be a role player. And he got him in the third round. So yeah, it just smashed all those picks. Pride is a backup running back up in Minnesota. So yeah, I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. You potentially changed your entire franchise with the, the two quarterbacks. You grabbed some, you know, guys with tons of potential. And that's, that's what you want. You know, I talked about Nugs and how he doesn't like drafting uh, rookies and relying on them. Well, this is the, the polar opposite of that, where you draft a ton of guys and you change your entire team overnight. Maybe, maybe this year he's meh, like a 500 type of team. And then next year he just comes out swinging. Uh, so, all right, back to the Carolina division where we have the Purple People Eaters, the Italian Mafia. And for those of you that you don't know, John, his name's John that runs the team. He took a job in Italy. So he'll be over there for the next three years. I wasn't sure if he was going to be able to, to make all this work, but so far so good. We'll see how it goes through the season. His best attribute and only good attribute is uh, his Vikings connection with Christian uh, Kirk and um, Justin Jefferson. And just if you just want to laugh, uh, look up on YouTube or whatever, wherever you watch your videos, the uh, NFL script read, and it's got Christian Kirk in there, and they call him Kirko, and it's pretty funny. But yeah, that is a dominant connection there. J Justin Jefferson is just a game changer at wide receiver. Uh, reasons to worry are pretty much, how do you explain to your wife that you, you just gave away $75? My wife would be really upset if I was like, hey, Steph, I'm going to just set $75 on fire. She probably wouldn't like that very much. So yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know how you explain that to your wife. Maybe you're not worried about $75. It's just chump change to you. But uh, yeah, I don't know how you explain that. Two more years. It's going to be two more years before he has any relevant picks in the draft. He has no picks in 2024, I think in the top three rounds. So yeah, it's not going to be until 2025 till his team can even begin to start to rebuild. So uh, remember how I talked about Nugs relying on veterans and, and Jeff relying on draft picks? Purple is just relying on just sheer luck at this point. And uh, so far, it hasn't been great. His uh, graph, draft grade is uh, a D minus. He pretty much had no draft picks. And putting yourself in a position where you have no draft picks despite having the number one draft pick because your team's so bad and you don't have a, you basically gave up the one, one, the two, one and the three, one. That's just, that's a D grade just right out the gate. And none of his receivers, albeit Tillman and Cleveland has shown flashes. Reed and green Bay has shown flashes. None of them have, have really set themselves apart. Stetson Bennett is going to be a backup. He looks solid in the preseason. He's going to be a great backup, but he's going to be a backup. His best draft pick. It was Darnell Washington, fourth round pick two. But guess what? Trade him. So yeah, that is a D minus, sir. In fact, you know, I'm going to make a quick little, quick little edit here. I'm going to give him an F. You can't screw up a draft this badly and not walk away with a failing grade. Because like I said, he had the first pick in the draft. One, he gave up Bijan Robinson for some random crap that Pat gave him. 
uh, the the 2-1, and I don't know, it just says Darkseid has it, had it. I'm sure he got it from other ways, but like you also traded the 2-1. You traded the 3-1. What do you have to show for it? You traded those incredibly value, valuable assets and you have nothing to show for it. Justin Jefferson, Kirk Cousins, that's it. Everybody else is just meh. You know, when you're, when you're rolling out Mostert and Samaj AP Ryan week one at running back, brah, need to get another hobby. All right, let's move on. Oh, God. Here it is, boys. Strap in. Ugh. Dark side. We're going to talk about Dark Side's team. All right, so the best attribute on his team is his ability to take advantage of. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. His best attribute is um, his Ravens. Ride them Ravens is what I wrote down. Basically, his, his season is going to ride on the shoulders of Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews. That's his biggest assets. Like, if those guys do what they're supposed to do, they stay healthy throughout the season, you can't touch them. It's as sad as that. But we all know that Lamar Jackson has a tendency to get hurt. In fact, I don't think Lamar Jackson has been 100% healthy for the last like three or four years. Just so you know, when does he not get healthy? Does he not, does he not get healthy in week one? No. He's usually pretty healthy in week one. He's usually pretty healthy, what, week six, week seven? It's week 10. That's when you start to see Lamar Jackson. Oh, my, my ankle hurts. My knee hurts. My shoulder hurts. My vagina hurts. Stuff like that. Guess what happens after week 12 and week 13? Playoffs? The playoffs. Yeah, the playoffs. So if you lose Lamar Jackson, and when you lose Lamar Jackson, you pretty much lose Mark Andrews. He doesn't give you that crazy advantage like he normally does. That really hurts your team going into the playoffs. So whoever takes, again, whoever takes over the open team there, Darkseid could be one of those guys you're like, hey, buddy, I got you some help. Uh, reasons to worry. I just wrote down hubris. Too confident. Thinking that you're just smarter than everyone else and, and everyone else should just bow down to you and hand you the trophy and the money. You got to work for this stuff. It's not easy. You can't just scam everybody into giving you their best players. And throughout the season, I'm, I'm mainly joking around here. Like, Chris is a great fantasy football player. He's shown that. He's always been a factor. His teams have always been good. He's never maybe got to the mountaintop there, but uh, his teams have always been in, you know, right there. But yeah, you can't, you can't get overconfident, man. You have to be on top of it. You can't just roll out all your players and be like, dude, I got this. I got this. Crown me. A lot of things can go wrong. Like I always told Brett, make the playoffs because anything can happen in the playoffs. Anything. Mark can beat the best team in the league in the playoffs because the team just goes bananas in the first week. Anything can happen when you get in the playoffs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I said that. I wrote down no money, no money, big problems. Because, yes, he traded for Jonathan Taylor, and that was a risk, a risky risk. And will it pay off? I don't know. But I can tell you right now, if they don't trade him, which it doesn't look like that's going to happen, he's already on IR for four weeks. Do you honestly think he's going to play for this team that is pretty much shit on him 
the entire offseason? Do you think he's going to give it his all? Do you think he's going to go out there and like run people over? Nah, dog. Josh Jacobs. You think he's going to play hard this year? He thinks he needs more money. How is that going to play out and how is that going to affect him down the stretch? Because I'll tell you, these guys, when they want money and they think they're not getting it what they deserve, oh, crap, my ankle hurts. My knee hurts. Watch. These guys will, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, draft grade. Did I give him the highest? God damn it. No, no, I did not give him the highest. Okay, we're good. We're good. We're good. I gave him an A. Smashed it, man. Like I said, Chris is a very good fantasy football player. He's got a good sense for this. He understands value. Getting Stroud at seven, starting starting quarterback, young quarterback, looks like he's got all the tools. Honestly, it's above the shoulders for him. Like if he can read defenses and process information quickly, I think he'll be a solid starter for years. Next pick was uh, Mayer out in uh, Vegas. Now. I think their whole offense is going to take a step back, but, uh, you know, he was like the 1A tight end. And uh, right in that area, there really wasn't any other player. So I think he, that's a slam dunk, solid tight end. He might not have a great year this year. Usually it takes tight ends a year or two, but I think that gives him a young, solid tight end who's going to get a lot of, uh, he's going to have a big role early on. Uh, In the fourth round, he got Deuce Vaughn, who looks like, like a tiny little kid out there playing, but dude, he's all things are looking great so far. And, and uh, for him, he's definitely going to have a role. He's definitely going to be able to make plays. Now, how much is that going to factor? I don't know, but uh, it's all you can do in these drafts is, is add talent and add solid players and solid pieces. And he did that with Deuce Vaughn. And I, he's probably like, dude, what about my third round? I was saving that for last. Tank Dell in the third round to go along with C.J. Stroud looks like a smash. If Zay Flowers doesn't end up being the steal of the draft, it'll be Tank Dell. He looked phenomenal in the preseason. Uh, him and Stroud seem to be just on the same page. You know, Tank Dell could be amazing. And when you get that somebody like that that late in the draft, and then he traded for Darnell Washington as well, who looks like he could be, uh, a huge factor up in Pittsburgh. Yeah, that's an, that's an A, man. It's an A all day. I can't hate. I can't hate on that. You knocked it out of the park, buddy. And that's that's how teams just continually to get better. You got to trade. You got to move those old pieces, and we'll talk about that in a minute. We got to move those old guys out, bring new guys in, draft young talent, and just that's it's it's like dynasty. Fantasy football is like running a college program because you got guys that are going to graduate and you got to keep, you got to get, you know, you got to get, get out there and get on the transfer portal and transfer more guys in. You got to go to high schools and you got to scout these dudes and recruit them to your team. It's just like running, running a college football program, which is crazy because the people in this league that love college football the most don't really like the dynasty stuff. But maybe if they look at it in that way, maybe they'll learn to like it a little more. If you're running a college football team, you know that senior is about to retire. You have to have someone ready to, to step up. That's how Alabama just stays uh, good. They, you know, they, their five-star quarterback retires, or not retires, but uh, 
you know, goes to the NFL and becomes a league MVP and best quarterback in league history. And you just, you put another five-star quarterback in his place. So well done, Chris. Uh, you seem to, you seem to get it when it comes to dynasty football. All right. So last team we're going to talk about is the Lake Murray Gunches. We know what his best attribute is. This is going to be simple. Bijan Robinson could be a monster. It sucks when your first round pick is the best attribute on your team. I do think Pat has a good team. I think he is going to benefit on being in such a shit division. But uh, yeah, guys like Chris Olave, guys like Bijan Robinson, Darren Waller. I think, he's, I think those guys are good. They're going to be good enough. Reasons to worry. How safe is Dak Prescott? Do you might know? Trey Lance is a thing. Why would they trade for this guy if they, maybe they wanted a, just a solid backup. I didn't think Cooper Rush was terrible. But uh, are they looking for the future there? Are they ready to move on for, for, from Prescott? I don't know. Again, it's one of those things. Prescott's a senior. He's about to, uh, about to make that trip to the NFL. Do you have his backup? He actually does. <laughs> he actually has that five-star recruit behind him. We'll see. But I think that's something, that's a reason to worry for maybe not this year, but definitely in the future. Or if Prescott starts to struggle this season. Tight end one? That's what I wrote down. Tight end one? Question mark? If Darren Waller stays healthy for 17 games, can he be the tight end one this year? I think he can. And not because I think he's better than Travis Kelsey, but I just think Travis Kelsey is, he's going to decline at some point. You know, we said that about Tom Brady. We're like, he's got to decline at some point. It took 45 fucking years, but he finally declined, fell off a cliff, and then he retired. It's going to happen to Kelsey. And if, if, if Kelsey ain't it, who is the next uh, in line? I think Waller. I think that offense is going to be great. I've said, I've talked about it before. When I watched them in the preseason, when they played the Panthers, I think they threw it to Waller like six times on the opening drive. I, dude, he's, it's going to be special if he can stay healthy. So for Pat's draft grade, A plus, man. A, a plus. You get Bijan Robinson. Game changer. I love the Carolina Panthers. Everybody knows this. I think week one, Bijan goes for 120-plus and two touchdowns. 120-plus rushing and two touchdowns. Maybe adds another 35, 40 yards pat, uh, receiving. 120 and two touchdowns week one. That's my, that's my uh, prediction. We'll see if it comes true. I don't think the Panthers are ready. I don't think the NFL is ready for uh, this dude. Problem is, is running backs just don't have long careers. Um, but if he gets four or five good seasons out of him, can can build around him a little bit more next year and really make a run at a championship, uh, dude, you can't get much better than that. Uh, Quentin Johnson at the sixth pick, that's the pick he gave up uh, for Jamar Chase, Collins pick. Dude, Quentin Johnson has looked like the real deal out in uh, L.A. as well. Every highlight I saw in the in the preseason, he was just doing ridiculous things. Very, very high on him. Laporta in uh, Detroit is the starter. He's already been christened the starter. And that offense is going to put up points. So Laporta looks like a solid pick in the middle of the second round. And at the end of the second round, Roscoe Johnson, they're, they're, I mean, they're already talking about him being the RB2 there. I, I think he's going to have a decent role this season and maybe eventually be the, uh, the starter there. And he got him in the late second round. Didn't have any other picks in the draft, but maybe he could have picked a couple different players instead of Johnson, but 
I think for all intents and purposes, he smashed those first uh, four picks. And that's what gets you A plus, Patrick. To be fair, he does he does pay for a lot of uh, a lot of help. We'll just say that. All right, so we are almost done. We are gonna. I need to. I need to talk about one little thing, and then we'll talk about playoff predictions. Yeah, we'll wrap this up pretty quickly. We're over an hour right now. I'm sure I can edit some out, but yeah, we're over an hour. Just stand by, just just for a little bit longer, and we'll uh, we'll wrap this up in a nice little bow. Tell you who the champion's gonna be for the 2024. 2023 season. All right, so I don't want to start anything. I'm not trying to push people's buttons. I don't want to get into big issues, but I do want to address the trade thing, mainly because we're going to have to add another new player. And uh, maybe something we want to look at in the future. Maybe this is just me spitballing. I haven't really talked to anybody about it. I do want to talk to some people about it and get their opinions but i was thinking something in terms of like when a person enters the league they are on probation for like a year all their trades are subject to like a vote like a league vote and maybe that just protects the league against the shit that just happened you can say whatever you want chris the numbers don't lie and again i'm not trying to start shit i'm i don't want i'm not trying to flame anybody i just want to address this really quick issue and then we'll move on but um in the uh thing that chris put out so I went through there and it actually has like all the trades you make. And then it gave like a, a yield and an acquire in terms of value, like what you yielded gave up and then what you acquired in the trade. So I'm going to go through a couple teams and I'm going to, and I averaged them. I took all their trades and then I averaged them together to kind of give a, you know, a number in terms of what their average gain or loss type thing is. All right. So we'll start with a couple of people eaters. Made some shitty trades, right? Well, his average gain, gain or loss, was negative 5.8. So he averaged about negative 5.8 in terms of his gain. So he gave up about 5.8 value. I don't know what actual numbers are. Myself, the Krakas, I averaged negative 5.7. Uh, the biggest one was the uh, when I traded Eckler. They didn't like that. I'm starting not to like it either. But uh, probably should have got more out of that. But So yeah, 5.7 for me, the Bombers. He made a couple of trades this offseason. He was at 2.2, a positive 2.2, meaning he actually acquired more than he gave up. 2.2 value-ish. The Goonches, only a few trades. 3.7. In fact, he only had two trades. Nugs had a couple of trades. 3.7, positive 3.7. Bird Gang, only one. I think the other, the other trades were like draft pick trades, but he did have one trade, uh, big trade. It, it in itself was 11, but averaged out together uh, was four. And I consider Mr. Brett Carpenter, I hold him in the highest regards. Like, I feel like he's a fantastic fantasy football player. He, uh, he understands value really well. And he's a, he's a tough negotiator. So he had a positive four. Everybody else uh, didn't, didn't do enough trades to really matter. The open team had a negative 20.2. Negative 20.2. I'll be honest, when he texted me this morning, I was kind of like, okay, thanks. Thanks for the heads up. Because he just wasn't a fit in this league. That's my fault. I take full responsibility for that. If anybody's mad at anybody, get mad at me. 100% my fault. But 20 point, negative 20.2 is just stupid. And again, we'll break down the numbers in, in, even more in a second. So dark side. His numbers, and he, he made one, two, three, four, five, five trades involved in this. 
five big trades. His numbers were 16.8 positive, 16.8. Four times as much as Brett Carpenter, who I think is one of the best trade negotiators, trade value guys out there. Four times better. Now, the problem is, I think Chris is a very good fantasy football player. I've said that. But, like, dude, that, that's not something to brag about. The guy with the worst trade difference made a lot of trades with the guy with the best trade difference. And that's something we absolutely need to look at in the future because that type of stuff makes dynasty leagues especially, like, not fun to play in. And I've had people say that to me, like, the league's ruined. I don't necessarily buy into that totally, but I see what they're saying. Um, now, I think Chris's team is great. I don't think it's God level or anything, but like, I think it's really good. Definitely better than it was last year. So looking further into this, I have a, I have a chart here and it's called turn this into this. And basically I put all the players that Chris acquired and then all the players that Chris gave up. And then I keep trade cut actually has a really good, a good way to do this. And the numbers that it kicked out were just stupid. So the average age of the players that Chris traded this year, this offseason. So in, in other words, the players he gave up were 29.2 years old. The age of the players he acquired, 24.1. He got younger. And we're talking 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 players on either side. He got younger by five years. I mean, not for nothing. That's what you want to do in a dynasty, dynasty football league. Like, I'm not knocking that in terms of, like, strategy. That is 100% what you want to do in every trade. Unless you're, like, literally five games out from the playoffs and you need a player. Like, that's what you want to do in a dynasty. You want to get younger. We talked about it earlier. With the, It's a college football program. You want to start bringing in those freshmen. That's what Chris did. He brought in an entire... Like the number one ranked freshman class, the average rank of those players he, he gave up. Average rank, average, 126.5. Now that includes all positions. We're talking about quarterbacks, running backs, tight ends, wide receivers. 126.5. The average rank of the players that he brought in, 37.3. I didn't do this for Brett. Maybe I should. I don't think he, there was that many players that went back and forth between Brett. But I can't imagine that's, that's a normal thing. And at some point, you got to look at yourself and be like, do I really want to win this way? Again, Chris, I, you're, you're, you're my friend. I like you a lot. But yeah, stuff like this is what kills leagues. But this is what you want to do. I mean, this is, this is the strategy. Bring in, bring in new guys, get rid of the old guys. Can't, can't knock him for that. So looking at the open team, the average age of the players he gave up, and, and this doesn't even include Chris. This includes, I think he did a trade with uh, the Bombers, Jeff, made a, trade, made a trade to somebody else, I can't remember. But yeah, this is all his trades, not just Chris, to be fair. And, and to be fair, those trades that I just did with Chris aren't just the guy that left. They're also, I think Purple was involved in a couple of those. So the open team, the average age of the players he gave up, 23.3. Babies. The average age of the players he acquired, 28.2. Do 
he got older by five years. And the only reason it's not higher is because Chris actually traded him a very valuable piece in Damian, or yeah, Damian Pierce, who's a young running back. Outside of that, his numbers would have been entirely worse. If I had took that off, I bet it would have been like over 30. That is not what you want to do in a dynasty football league. You don't trade all your young guys, bring in a bunch of old dudes. That, that makes you good for a season. Again, it's like running a, a football program. Like to be good long-term, you have to have those young guys coming in. The average rank of the guys he gave up, 60, 60.8. Not, not great, but not bad either. The average age of the guys he brought in, 116. Again, I really feel like Damian Pierce brought that number way down. So I, so I say all this to say, I'm not going to miss the guy that left. I think he was in over his head. I think he, even though I explained all this to him, I don't think he quite understood what we were doing, what we were trying to accomplish, what a dynasty football league is. But it does make me worried about the future and bringing other people in which we're going to have to do between now and uh, Thursday night. Because I don't want this to happen again. I don't want this to be the norm. Is that we bring in a new player and everybody vultures their players. It, uh, it won't last long if we do that. So again, it's something I want to talk about with some people. I want to get their feedback. And to be fair, I, I honestly think Chris, I think he had good intentions. I think he was trying to give him things he wanted but not necessarily things he needed. And I think that's where the issue was coming. And I think that, I think that guy was playing it like it was a redraft league, to be fair. Bad trades happen all the time. I, I, I had one last year. Terrible trade. I got DeAndre Hopkins for Isaiah McKenzie. And like a, I think I gave up a fifth-round pick or some fourth-round pick. And Chris just pointed that out. And he's right. That was a terrible trade. It was sent to me, and I was like, okay. But, like, DeAndre Hopkins isn't, like, elite anymore. Like, he played, like, six total games or seven, maybe eight, eight games. The year before that, we had a bunch of trades that happened when we brought a new guy in. Uh, Bortz took advantage of him. Pat took advantage of him. The Pat one actually ended up being not bad because Michael Thomas, you know, stopped being a football player. So, yeah, I, I don't know how to fix that. But it's, it's definitely something we should look into. It's something that we need to be aware of. Frankly, like, I'm to the point now where I'm like, we just need to bring in people that know what the hell they're doing. Like, if that means going to, like, a, uh, like a chat room and being like, all right, we want applications for, you know, this Dynasty Football League that we're in. Instead of just bringing in friends and neighbors and things like that, we actually bring in players that, legitimately know what they're doing because i don't think i don't think the average dynasty football player would have would have numbers as skewed as these but i don't know that's my thoughts on it i hope we can just let it go we don't need to have like a fight on the you know on the message board if you have a problem with it just just text me we can talk call i don't care but like i'm done i'm over with it it's it's done it's over with the only thing i'm thinking about and and right now is how we can mitigate this in the future and what are we going to do with this open team? But yeah, like it is what it is. It's done. The trades are done. It's over with. Let's move on. But I'm pointing this stuff out to say it's something we need to look at in the future and, and, and think about. And like I said, maybe it's a thing where we put 
a person on probation and they they aren't allowed to uh trade certain players or something for the year until they kind of get into it and see what happens because that that guy effectively traded his first first round pick which is going to be a first overall pick or at least a top three pick he traded Jonathan Taylor Drake London Devonta Smith if we bring somebody in and they play a year and they trade all the way, all the, way the best players on that roster it's gonna be hard to get somebody to fill that to come in the next year you know so like I don't know maybe like I said we put them on probation they can't trade certain players or every trade they make has got to go to a vote like I don't know it's definitely something that we need to look into um, and really think about with this the next person that comes in and takes over. All right. So again, I'm not trying to start stuff. Really not. I'm really just saying this was absolutely an issue over the summer and uh, something we need to look at going forward. All right. So let's look at my playoff predictions. I'm going to give like just basically the rundown of each division and how I think they're going to play out. I'm going to talk about the uh, how the playoffs are going to work this year because it is a little bit different than it has been in the past. And then I will give you my champion. And if you remember, I actually predicted Mark to win last year, and uh, he damn near did it. Very, very close. All right, so uh, we'll, we will start with the mm, American division. Actually, you know what? Let's start with the uh, Carolina division. That one's a little easier. Uh, so in fifth place in the Carolina division, I have the Purple People Eaters. I don't think anybody's going to be upset about that. Purple, uh, your team's your team's trash, bro. Next, I have the open team. I'll be honest, I, I've had a lot of conversations with people uh, throughout the day. And I'm actually recording this a couple hours later from when I recorded some other stuff. Uh, but yeah, I, I've talked to some people throughout the day. And honestly, a lot of people are saying, you know, this team's not as bad as we were thinking. I don't think, me personally, I don't think it's going to uh, crack the playoffs. But weirder things have happened. You know, if Mark or, or uh, Pat have a crap ton of injuries or something it's possible that uh that open team could sneak in depending on what moves they make and who we get to fill the spot all right so third place and pretty much everybody th first second and third place are all default playoff positions because i just I, I don't think it's going to be crazy competitive i i think i mean i think Gucci's is probably going to have a two or three game lead you know, over the next next guy. But I think Gucci's is going to be in third place. His team is good. I don't think it would make the playoffs in the American division, but I think it's good enough to make the playoffs in the Carolina division. Um, He has some weaknesses, but uh, he also has some talented players as well. Um, In second place, I have Mark. I think Mark's team, as I said earlier, isn't much different than when it was last year, uh, where he went all the way to the championship. So, you know, if it hasn't really added anything, hasn't really lost anything. Um, a lot of it will depend on, you know, what kind of impact somebody like Zay Flowers will have. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I just think his, his team is going to keep trudging on. Um, if, he, if he gets into a situation, like I said earlier, like he can't figure out who to start each week, uh, I think that could cost him a few games here and there. But for the most part, I think his, his team is pretty solid all around. Uh, and then I've got Nugs in first place. Again, we talked about this before. His team is very, very solid. And again, playoffs are a little bit different this year. And we'll talk about that in a second. But coming in first, Nugs would have one of the top two seeds, regardless of his record. But I do think Nugs is going to have a really good record, probably the second 
our third best record in the league anyway. Okay, so over on the American side, things get a little more dicey. Uh, in fifth place, I do have Point Break. I think he falls back to earth this year after making the playoffs last year. I don't necessarily think his team's worse, but it's just the rest of the our division just got so much better. And I think the running back situation is really going to uh, hamper him, especially at the beginning of the season. And, uh, you know, if, if Derrick Henry, for whatever reason, has some injury issues, it could be a long one for point break. So uh, look for him to maybe reevaluate that running back position in the offseason. Uh, in fourth place, I do have the Bombers. The Bombers are an up-and-coming team. I talked about that earlier, about how they have two young quarterbacks. They have a lot of quarterbacks, actually. Um, but the two young rookies that he has should be really good. You know, we talked about uh, some of his other players. Like, uh, I think Calvin Ridley is going to have, I don't know if I mentioned that or not when I was going over his team, but I think Calvin Ridley is going to have a monster year. Uh, James Cook, I think is going to be fantastic. Pickens, I think is going to make a big leap. Uh, and then, like I said, I think some guys like uh, Tank Bigsby and Rasheed Rice are going to find their way on the field sooner rather than later. I think he's set up really well, especially for the future, but uh, I, I think he's just maybe one year away. Like I said, the American Division is just stacked at the top, as you'll see shortly. Uh, in third place, um, I do have myself, the Crackers. I won the league last year, came in first. Uh, my team did take a bit of a hit. I traded Kerry Austin Eckler for Miles Sanders and some stiff. And, and, and again, I think that's one reason why I don't think I mentioned it a second ago, but that's a big reason why I have Kerry's team doing as well as he did and making as far as he does, because I think his team's just markedly better with Austin Eckler. Now, the reason that I traded him is because I just think Austin Eckler is about about to go over that cliff. And um could be this year, could be next year, but like I said, you know, you got to look at it like a college football team. I think Austin Eckler is literally about to graduate. So I just wanted somebody, you know, that sophomore to come in and uh take over for him. So uh I have myself number 3. I think I'm going to have a solid record, but uh I I think the two teams above me are just above and beyond better uh, than my team. So first and second place are, I would say are interchangeable at this point, but I'm going to leave it the way I have it for a specific reason. I'll get into that when I start going over playoff projections. But I had to have Bird Gang in second place. I think I love Bird Gang's team. The way his team is constructed is exactly how I've constructed teams since I've uh, played this, this format. And it's the same thing that I've done to win the league a couple times, the way his is constructed. He is just so deep at wide receiver. He has several elite wide receivers. We talked about this earlier. It's, it's nuts. Even if Cooper Cup misses time, he is still good. He's fine. That's how good his receivers are. That's how good and deep his, his team is. It's set up for a long playoff run. And like I said, if Kyler Murray is going to come back at some point in the season. So as long as Tua can make it, to that point where Kyler Murray comes back, I think he'll be okay. Um, but that's why I have him at second place because I think Tua misses a few games with a concussion or something. And then I have uh, Dark Side in the, in the champion or number one in uh, the American Division. And I've said it before, this team's good. It's very very good. And I think he is going to start off hot. I think he's going to get off. He's going to probably rattle off six or seven wins in a row. His head is going to be, like, massive. If you think his head's big now, just wait. Wait till week seven when he's 7-0. and 
dancing around and acting like it, it's a wrap. But like I said before, I, I would not be surprised if he starts losing players towards the end of the season, which is sort of why I have my playoffs playing out like they do. So with, with that said, here are the new, here are the seeds for the playoffs. And again, we changed it up last year. What we did, and I like this change, is the top two seeds go to the winners of each division. Doesn't matter their, their record, but the top two seeds go to the winners of each division. So that would be Dark Side and Nugs. Then the rest of the seeds are basically based off record after that, overall record. Any tiebreakers, it would be a division record and things like that. But the way I have it going down, it would be Bird Gang at the three seed. Crackers, myself at the four seed, then Mark at the five, and then Pat at the six. Now, what that means is three plays six, four plays five. So the first round would actually be Bird Gang versus Goonches, and then myself versus Mark. I've got Bird Gang easily with his eyes shut walking to the second round uh, because he's, I think he's far better than Goonches. However, we've got a rematch of last year's championship game. I could totally see Mark going here, but I went ahead and went with myself just because, I don't know, I beat Mark's team last year and it's exactly the same team as I faced last year. So I don't, I don't see why it should be that much different. I think when I beat him last year, I had players that were injured and, you know. So yeah, I, I, I think I should be able to beat Mark. We have to face each other in the uh, first round. So then, again, the seeds change yet again. Dark side would play the, uh, since he's the number one seed, he would play the lowest seed, which would be myself. And then, or Nugs would actually play the highest seed, which would be Burgang. Now, if Mark did win, again, he would, Dark side would play Mark and uh, Nugs would play Burgang. If for whatever reason, everybody on Burgang's team got on a plane and it crashed and the Goonches won, then the Goonches would actually play Dark side and then I or Mark would play Nugs. So it's, it, it's a little confusing. It's the way the NFL does it. I think this is so much better because it really rewards the people that get the number one seed. It ensures that like whoever has the number one overall seed is there's something to play for towards the end of the season because there's a big difference in, in playing the worst guy every time as opposed to, opposed to playing uh, the highest seed. So yeah, it would be Dark Side versus myself and uh, Bird Gang versus Nugs in the second round of the playoffs. I have, uh, as much as I think that Dark Side will... Uh, get tripped up here towards the end. I'm going to have him go to the championship. I don't know when it's going to happen, but it's going to happen. But let's just say it doesn't happen quite yet. And he makes it to the championship. Then Bergang beats Nugs. Like I said, I just think, I just like Bergang's setup. I think wide receivers, everything else, it, uh, it works for me. And um, then it would be Nugs and myself in the third place game. And I have Nugs winning that one. I just, like I said, I just think his team's very, very solid. So Nugs is in third place. The championship game is actually two people who've never been in the championship before, Darkside and Bergang. Pretty awesome. That'd be a, an amazing finish to the season. Uh, especially, you know, we're turning the chapter on 10 seasons, starting season 11. That'd be really cool that we have two people that's never been in it before. But, drumroll please. I should get a sound effect for that. I think it's going to be Bergang. I really do. Again, I think... He has just the deepest roster. I think he has the wide receivers no one can match. They're just so many and so deep. Even Like I said, even if he loses Cup, 
even if he loses somebody else, I think his team's deep enough to rebound from that. And I think Brett is smart enough that if something were like that to happen, he would easily be able to I mean, you know, make some trades and do some things to, uh, to fix that. Darkseid, however, if he gets into some trouble late, I think trading's going to be a little bit harder. I'm not going to say why. I'm not going to say anybody said I'm never doing business with him again. But uh, I think Darkseid might find it a little difficult to find players towards the end of the season without using the waiver wire. But yeah, I, I think that's how it plays out. And, and to be honest, if Darkseid's team stays healthy and he has no issues, you know, I could easily see him winning the whole thing. Just like he says, and screams from mountaintop. But I just don't buy it. I, I'm not a fan of Lamar Jackson. He doesn't finish seasons. And when he goes down, so does Mark Andrews' numbers. And I'm not a fan of uh, the running back situation with all the guys that are, you know, waiting to get deals and very disgruntled with their teams. So this is how I see it playing out. Uh, I was damn near right last year. So uh, we'll see how it plays out this year. So that is the podcast. Hopefully it lived up to all your expectations. Hopefully we have a player by Thursday night. We are about 48 hours out little under 48 hours out from right now where I'm finishing this off. You know, good luck to everybody out there. I know, I know the dynasty is, we're still getting used to it, still sort of feeling our way through here, but uh, I like it. I really do. I, I would love to be in a situation that I could take over a team that I could rebuild. I think that'd just be really fun. Obviously it's not going to happen, but if I could take over uh, the open team, that I think that would be a really cool challenge. Uh, Brett and I talked about that today, about how fun it is to uh, take over a team and try to rebuild it. And he actually did that in his brother's league that he's in. It's a very uh, competitive dynasty league. He took over a team. And I think he said uh, first season or first year, he, you know, kind of started rebuilding. Second year, he was in the playoffs. Third year, he won it. Fourth year, he won it again. So it's not, it's not impossible. And I've had people tell me that, like, it's impossible to make your team better. Or it's impossible to, once a, a team like Darkseid gets so stacked, it's impossible to uh, overcome that. It's not. Guys retire, guys get hurt, guys fall off all the time. Good luck, everybody. Um, I'm really looking forward to the season. I will be glad when the drama's over with and we have somebody in that spot, even if it's just a warm body that is going to uh, just punch buttons every week to, to set a lineup. I just, want, I just want the drama to be over enough for us to move on. Um, shout out to Colin. I miss you. Sorry to everybody if I've been a little edgy lately but uh it's tough it really is i miss him but uh he'll be out in a couple weeks like four four or five weeks left so uh really excited about him getting back into it like i said should be fun excited about bryce young excited about the panthers i think it's gonna be ugly at the beginning of the season but i think they'll they'll figure it out towards the end so that's it for the the season preview podcast that's what we'll call it the season preview podcast uh those are my predictions Hope they didn't piss anybody off. Chris, I'm just joking about 90% of this. Good luck to everybody, and uh, thanks for listening. Yes, Jalen. I thought this was a dress rehearsal. Dress rehearsal? Big Kirko wakes up dripping like this. <laughs> Kirk. I like it, Kirko. You like that? Big Kirko, I'm loving it.